Hi, I'm Jade Siri Ramos. I am the producer of A Public Affair. Did you know you can find our show anywhere you get podcasts? Just search A Public Affair wherever you like to listen, and you can find us, and you'll never miss an episode. Six foot six above sea level. I grab the mic because I like to take you to another mental level. Low power frequency radio modulation. The big sound from underground. We bring the truth to places truth is never heard before. We bring the sound communication. Good afternoon and welcome to a public affair. I'm your host, Shali Pittman. Filling in today for Carousel Baird, who's on spring break. So we have an election coming up next Tuesday. It's the spring nonpartisan election. And over the past few months, WORT has interviewed all sorts of candidates, both candidates for state Supreme Court justice, for Madison mayor, for Monona mayor, for Madison Alder. We've done stories and interviews on the state, county, and local referenda on the ballot. It's been all sorts of election coverage gearing up for April 4th. But today, one more missing puzzle piece. We're going to fill you in on one more race on the ballot, and that's for school board. That's a race between two candidates running for Madison Metropolitan School District's seat six on the Board of Education. Both candidates for seat six are joining the show today. A little later on in the show, we'll be talking with Blair Mosner Feltham. But joining me first to talk about his candidacy is Badri Lankella. He works as a computer engineer at the Department of Natural Resources and holds a master's in business administration at UW Madison. He's the father of two kids enrolled at Vell Phillips Memorial High School, and he served on a variety of organizational and governmental boards. And the reason he's joining us today, he's running for seat six on the MMSD Board of Education. Badri, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much, Shelley. Really appreciate the opportunity today. Um, thanks for everybody's time. Thanks to listeners. And my name is Baudry Lankela. I am that second difficult name on your ballot that's coming April 4th. Um, as as Shelley mentioned, for the last 20 years, I've been working with the Department of Natural Resources, working on environmental management programs, fish, wildlife park programs, working on various issues from climate change to clean waters to capital development programs as an application architect, bringing the transparency to constituents and legislators on budgets and policy. That's been my experience for the last 20 years working for the state government. Um, I am a first generation immigrant. Like most of the immigrants, I came to USA with $100 in my pocket with American dream. I strongly believe the dream comes with the dreams comes the duties and responsibilities, and the responsibility to give back to the community that has welcomed me to Madison with open heart. For this purpose of this community service, I've been serving in, uh, started serving volunteering at MMSD schools where both my kids go to, um, as um, they are currently both going to uh, Val Phillips Memorial High School. I've been involved in their PTAs from their elementary schools, and I've been teaching kids on STEM programs, uh, after-school programs like 4-H and Lego Leagues, teaching computer programming. At the same time, 
I have started volunteering at neighborhood associations uh, as treasurer. Um, whenever there is a need, I was there. Um, with the same goal of serving the community, I ran for the city council a few years back. Um, and then I've been part of the City of Madison Transportation Policy Planning Board and joined campus area committees and uh, several other boards for the city. Um, I'm always fighting to serve the community whenever I see the problem. I am less talk of a person, more work guy. Um, whenever, uh, when we saw the transportation issues, I got into the transportation board um, and then worked on what you guys seen for the last few years, I've been in the board uh, working on the BRT, Vision Zero, Green Street policies, all of those. I've been involved um, in that board for when we were making those calls. Um, even last year when we have the housing crisis, I have donated all my full year earnings to Habitat for Humanity. So wherever there is a problem, I was always there. So that... Um, the leaders in the community has seen that um, where my involvement is with the community and they have asked me this year um, that school board has um, a great need right now <clears throat> in policy making experience of mine about the collaboration and bringing transparency to budgets that MMSD school board is having. We need that experience. Um, education wise. Well, thank you so much for, for outlining so much of your experience at the top um i didn't even need to to ask so i appreciate you hitting the ground um running before we um we delve into some deeper uh policy policy issues i just want to talk about your your um why you're running and what some of the biggest challenges for the board of education that you expect you'd see in your term over the next three years if you're elected so can you tell us about that um, yeah, so the board right now has a lot of uh, issues going on right now with the board. Most importantly, I'm running on three C's of education, um, collaboration, competition, and then the capital. Those are the three major issues that um, the board is having right now, and I wanted to work on them. Um, with my education as civil engineer, I can bring the transparency to all of these construction referendums that are happening in the schools. Um, as, as a computer engineer, I can bring the expertise of modernization to teaching profession and use the technology into uh, transparency into the open records request that we are having issues on. Right? Most importantly, I have a business degree that can help run an organization as big as the school district, which has like 25,000 students, over 4,000 employees with over $500 million budget. It is a large organization. We need somebody who has an experience that can run budgets and run an organization which has experience on evaluating staff, performance evaluations for the administrators that are coming in, hiding an administrator. Those are all the major issues we've been having. And the balancing budget for the next three years is not looking great, right? So we need, we need to have somebody that have a lot of experience on it especially with the governor's initiative to bring more funding to the schools. After going through some of these presentations that I have, I, I could get hold of um, from the administration, we still have more than $7 million deficit coming into the next fiscal year. We need to have somebody who has experience, who can actually 
work on these things, right? We need someone who has experience with state level administrators, right? Working with uh, legislators, um, budgets and writing policies, hiring supervisors. Those are all the issues now we are facing in the board. Um, next three years, I will be working on these budgets, making sure um, we cover all of the uh, requirements that uh, students need, all of the staff that needed, right? We have to, we, we have to compete um, with uh, other schools all over the nation to have the best teachers in our schools, um, be, um, best programs in our schools. So, so we need... So what, let's talk about your experience with budgets. Um, you mentioned that that's a big priority for a board of education. One of their main responsibilities is setting out the budget and making sure there is enough funding. Um, can you talk about in detail your previous experience with um, managing budgets, which always contain tough decisions? Yeah, so <laughs> that's a very, very important point, right? So I have worked from budgets from 50,000 for neighborhood association, like an example, HOA, right? So in our um, and south um, west side of Madison, we were in red every year. We were having trouble finding uh, contractors to work on uh, for HOA. Um, I worked there once I got into the HOA as a treasurer. Within two years, we turned into black, right? So now we have enough surplus to have our issues fixed. That's the smallest budget I've worked on. That this, the biggest budgets I've worked on is the capital development program with the Natural Resources Department, right? So last week, we have the building commission um, happened and all of the reports that legislators will see on funding projects and everything, those are all... Um, Coming from systems that I have built for the resources department, those are like $500 million budget uh, proposals, of which there is a 50 million is what we're getting for biennium budgets, right? So those are all, I create, um, I have the expertise to actually um, bring the capital budgets to operating budgets to, right? So stewardship funds, all of those state legislative funds, um, I have the, uh, programs that actually uh, creates the transparency for the legislators to make those calls. And that's what the expertise that I can bring for the public to see what is the budgets we are handling right now at school board um, and how transparency can be brought in and how the accountability of these programs can be um, um, provided for public. Okay, well, thank you for, for speaking to the current financial situation in your previous budget experience. Um, I wanted to ask you, so the Board of Education for MMSD, one of their, their managers, right? They are managing um, other people, other staff members in the school district who are um, implementing policies. One of the biggest challenges and... and um, maybe not a challenge, but things that the, the the Board of Education will be doing in the next so many months is uh, hiring a new superintendent. The current superintendent, Dr. Carlton Jenkins, he's going to retire this summer after serving for nearly three years. Um, and that means that the board will again need to go through the hiring process. What are the qualities that you'd want to see in the leader of Madison Schools? That is, that is a really great um, question, Shelley. So the superintendent hire, the RFE, uh, RFS, is already went for contracting firms, So which is already, I think, this week, they'll be hiring a contracting firm to start searching. And 
as you said, it's going to be coming to the board very shortly. And we need to have a very experienced person who actually have um, hired some supervisors, superintendents in the past, right? So that's the expertise I will bring. Um, for for um, the qualities that we're going to be looking at superintendent, right? MMSD superintendent is most important role that works with the entire community. We need a collaborative leader who can bring the district administration and community together. A leader who can represent the voice for everyone, right? So that we need a leader who has the organizational skills and budget management skills for the district. As you as I mentioned, right, there is a big budget issue that's coming up. It's going to be a six, seven million dollar deficit even after governor's initiatives that is coming in, right? So how so the superintendent should have that skills to do that. We need a leader who can negotiate difficult budgets, navigate with legislators, right? So most importantly, we need a leader who can bring continuity and stability to the school district. We've been going through superintendents really quickly these days, right? Switching directions with each new leader is costing the organization. And not only the cost, it's also losing that strong foundation of the implementation. We need a leader who can actually uplift the morales of the teachers, staff, and entire school district. That's that's what I'm trying to see um, as a board member is to have a collaborative leader who can bring up the morale for the entire community, um, working with bringing everybody together. That's the that's the biggest um, qualities that I uh, we would be looking on a superintendent. Okay, well, thank you for speaking to that. And just thinking about what a complex task it is to hire a superintendent, you know, it, it does take time. Last time we went through this process, there were some unanticipated hiccups, and we had the pandemic, but the hiring process took around 14 months. How long do you think the hiring process should take as the board is hiring the next superintendent? So there is a process to go through, right? So that is why this takes longer. But at the same time, that is too long to have 14 months. I think we had the one of the major reasons we took longer last time was that we started finding a candidate and then that candidate withdraw and then we have to go through the whole process again, right? So we, if we do the due diligence ahead of time, act proactively and go through all of the other things, right? Why did the last time the candidate actually withdraw after last day, right? So those kind of things we have to make sure would not repeat. Um, we definitely need um, superintendent as soon as possible um, with the big budget issues that are coming. Um, so much um, uh, public records issues are happening. The administrator is the person who's gonna keep this all together. Yeah. I want to talk about learning happening in Madison schools. So one issue that's come before the Madison School Board in recent months and, you know, generate, generated news reports is how we think about honors classes, uh, whether those should be standalone classes or the same classes with uh, with extra work or, or other requirements to, to meet an honors credit. Um, this fall, earned honors will be an option for freshmen in every core studies class, while standalone honors classes will be available in other grades. But what would you recommend the board do with honors classes? How do you feel about honors classes? And what's your philosophy there? 
My philosophy is I'm for standalone honors program. We need to provide students all of the opportunities to excel. We cannot cut programs. These are the programs that are very important for uh, students to excel. And um, we need to provide the students the opportunity to pick. We, we don't make the decisions for them, right? I've been contacted by several parents um, since this issue came up. And a lot of them were saying, hey, if, the, if MMSD does not provide these uh, courses, we have to find different schools where they provide this thing. Especially in a post-pandemic, post-standardized test world, right? So there's, there's a discussion of not removing ACT, SATs out of college admissions process. What do you think this college uh, colleges are going to look at next if they're not taking these the standardized tests as uh, admissions um, um, steps? They're going to be looking at the courses, which the students took, how they are performing. If we taking out these honors programs out from the students, we are actually taking their opportunity to get into their next future, right? The honors program and also the learn, advanced learning opportunities for students at MMSD is not an issue of academics. It is about racial bias, right? That's the issue everybody's bringing up is that it's racially biased. We need to find a solution for the inclusion rather than removing these programs, right? If there is a racial bias in these programs, we need to find how can we provide inclusion? How do we bring them in, right? My inspiration leader, one of my inspiration leader, Rosa Parks, when she did, when she fought, she fought against the segregation, right? But the bus seat, when she was fighting, she did not fight to get rid of the buses. She fought to for inclusion in the bus, right? How can we get that, right? I see this issue similar in, in the similar vein. We should not get rid of the programs. We need to help kids excel in their studies. We need to find ways to for, ways for inclusion. There are several ways to do that, right? We can remove any bias or barriers um, in implementing these ones, right? So we need to train our educators on identifying. And then we, most importantly, this program we are talking about, standalone programs we've been talking about, we're talking only from high school level, right? So that's that that's uh, that should not be the case, right? It should be all the way from elementary school. We need to start tracking and coordinate students' progress from elementary school to middle school and then into the high school level. That's when this honors program is talked about, but we need to identify all the way from elementary school level. Okay. It's 12.25. You're listening to A Public Affair. We're speaking with Badri Lankella. He is one of two candidates running for seat six on the MMSD Board of Education. That race will be on your ballot um, next Tuesday, or if you're voting early, it's on your ballot now. Um, we have just a couple minutes left, Badri, so I want to make sure we cover issues, though. I think we could talk a lot in the School board does talk a lot about supporting all learners um, in the schools, but I, I want to move on. So, one issue that's um, that's also come up and been in the public debate I, I, is school safety, and I want to ask you about this, knowing that it's a vast topic area. Last fall, MMSD conducted a survey on school safety and student wellness that received. 
thousands of responses from teachers and students and uh, parents and families and caregivers. Some of those responses mentioned bullying and sexual harassment and drug and alcohol use. Um, and I was kind of scrolling through all of the responses. There's a lot to get through. It's it's hundreds of pages long. But, um, but what structural changes would you suggest, if any, to make schools a better environment and a safer environment for students to learn? Definitely, right? So this is a high priority for me. Um, as, as you know, I have two uh, high schoolers at school. Every time I see that email that comes through, my heart drops, right? I'm worried. I'm always concerned about their safety. Um, as you went through, I spoke with lots of school staff and parents and uh, students. We, we, we cannot have a learning happening when they don't feel safe around them, right? The learning only begins after they feel safe. So we need to find ways to make this um, working. We, uh, this comes back to this point of um, SROs, right? Uh, resource officers. We had them for three, three years ago and we didn't have for last three years. Um, how is the de-escalation process going on for this last three years when we did not have the um, resource officers? We need to analyze this data right now. Who's doing this de-escalation process? How can, make, how can we make this um, safer? And also the legislators are working to bring the resource officers back to the school. If that bill gets passed, we need, as a board, we need to be proactive and try to start implementing these policies. To me, um, if we follow the, all of the processes um, and involve the community and the staff um, into the taking the input from them all, I will vote on any policy that will create, create the safe school environment for all. Okay. Well, thank you for speaking to that. So um, to clarify, you were speaking to a bill in the state legislature that would set a threshold for the number of times a police agency is called into a school. And if a school district exceeds that threshold, I think it's like 100 in the bill, um, 100 incidents in a school year, then um, that school district must employ um, school resource officers. It's unclear to me whether Madison would reach that threshold. But um, more to the point, right, we're, we're talking about school safety. Um, critics would point out that, uh, you know, those who, who are for removing SROs from schools are would point out that, um, you know, SROs might not necessarily make schools safer as an environment to learn, um, while supporters would point exactly to to what you're describing. Um, yes. <laughs> so so what so would you so let's say that this does come before the school board again, would you vote to bring SROs back or is that a more nuanced so I'm against bringing guns to school, right? Either uniforms and big uniforms and guns to school. I don't want to make my kids' school look like they're going to a prison, right? We don't want big walls. We don't want guns at school. At the same time, I want them to be feel safer. Um, we need to have ways to have a de-escalation process um, at the same time, right? So as you said, the bill is coming. Even before it gets, whether it comes to Madison or not, we need to, as a board, we need to be proactive, not reactive after it's get, uh, it's been enforced on us, right? We have to have that conversation. As I said, 
to make that school environment safer, I will vote on any policy that bringing the SROs, if we are bringing them SROs, how well we can bring it, right? So not make everybody um, safe, um, not with the guns, not with the big uniforms, right? Can we implement that way? If we are not bringing them, why not, right? So we need to have that discussion um, bringing, make, before making that call. Okay. Well, um, thank you for speaking to that. And, and I want to remind listeners that when we're talking about school resource officers, we're, we're talking about a decision made several years ago to remove them from Madison high schools, um, one stationed in each high school, but um, we're not talking about other um, school buildings. Um, I want to move on, Badri. Uh, so schools touch the, the whole community, right? They encompass not just students, right, who everyone yeah. is there to, to, that's the reason they're there, but also families and neighborhoods, they really are entrenched in our community. Um, what would be your approach and what would you want to see in the board and their approach with communicating with families and to the community? Yeah, transparency, right? Transparency is my goal. Um, I've been on several boards in the city. I, I mean, involved with lots of families. And also my kids are in the school, right? So I go to their school every day, drop-offs and pickups. I'm in every school event, at academic events or sports events. I'm there at the schools at all times. So the communication becomes very uh, um, high priority for me. I'm always talking to the parents. I'm talking to the staff. Whether, it, whether we have a board meeting or not, whether we have an issue at school or not, I am there. Um, as a parent, um, with my kids, I'm out, always at the school. So I'm always involved with them. I am available to communicate, right? As uh, not only that portion, I'm also connected to the city officials and the state legislators because of my work and other board membership. So I bring those um, back and forth from the community into the uh, the leaders and then from leaders to the community. I have I am that connecting block between the two. I will bring that one. And other thing, board has the listening sessions that happened last week. I've been to some of them there. Right, so so much information we can get from the parents and um, and and the community. We need to have more of those sessions with the community. Right. Um, and lastly, I'm a technology guy. I'm top of the communication channels, right? So uh, one of the major issues that I heard from board members, uh, from the community about the board members is the emails, right? When they receive an email, they won't get a response from the board members. I will respond in a timely fashion. I will keep community connected at all times and informed, right? The transparency is my goal. Okay, well, when we're talking about transparency, right, um, I think that everyone has an interest in that, right? Um, it's also slightly more difficult in a school, uh, in schools where you have youth involved and youth um, private information that maybe sometimes shouldn't be released. But um, I think we're all still working that out. But just speaking to recent news as we wrap up, um, the school, the MMSD recently was awarded a, a non-award for its lack of transparency from the Freedom of Information Council. And in very recent news, the spokesperson for MMSD is suing to prevent the release of a complaint about himself. What would you do in this situation if you are already on the board? Board's responsibility is make sure 
the public records are available, right? That is the number one role of the board. And then Family Education Rights and Privacy Act and Wisconsin statutes both makes it a mandatory to have provide that information. As you said, there are some PI information, right? Personal, personal identification information. We would not provide that information, right? There is some data that we have to keep it, but public has a right to know what's happening from budgets to um, communications and how, what is happening at school. It is board's responsibility to make that happen. And coming into this specifically that um, one case we are talking about where they're trying to sue, right? And an individual suing um, the school board. It, it is, again, that's an implementation. It's a personnel issue that administration should be hand handling already. If they are not as a board member, I would make sure they should be taking care of this um, against that individual, right? Board as a role to make sure these issues are handled properly. Of all of that open records law should prevail, right? That's that's the reason why we are getting this um, yeah. non-award you're talking about. Okay. I well, have experience uh, working with several state agencies. I worked on both sides on mm -hmm. open records. I am the person who provided the data Republic on uh, natural resources department. I'm also the candidate who actually asked for it as a board member for several organizations. Excellent. I see Badri, the value. I'm, and I'm sorry to interrupt. We're running out of time. Um, I want to give you like 20 seconds to add anything else um, and include your in endorsements and, um, and and any social media links as we're wrapping up here. Yeah, so all my information is available at bodrylankela.com. Uh, Please do look at it. Um, I would say for the elections coming up, choice is very clear. You need to bring somebody who has um, community voice to the board and who can bring the transparency to the community and who has experience managing tax dollars. All right, Badri Lankela, thank you so much for joining us. Badri Lankela is running for seat six on the MMSD Board of Education. We're talking about the school board elections this hour with both candidates. And uh, we just finished up with Badri Lankela, and we're going to turn now to his competitor. I had a chance to speak with Blair Mosner Feltham yesterday. Let's hear that interview. With me on the line now is Blair Mosner Feltham. She's also a candidate for seat six on the MMSD Board of Education. She's been a public school teacher for 12 years. She spent seven of those years at Madison West High School, where she taught social studies for three years and was a learning coordinator and instructional coach for four more. She now works at a high school in a neighboring district, and she's running for seat six on the MMSD Board of Education. Blair, thank you so much for making time. I hear you're busy with ACT prep. <laughs> yep, that's right. It is state assessment season, and that's a big part of my job um, that I do now. And what is the job that you do now in a neighboring district? Where is that? I, I work in Sun Prairie. I work at Sun Prairie East High School. So I still work in a school, not in the district office. And the, my job title is, it's a mouthful. Are you ready? It's Equitable Multi-Level System of Supports Site Coordinator. It's a new role in Sun Prairie, and it's a new, you know, I'm into the job too. Um, and the, the main goal is to develop the systems that support students for whom the universal stuff we offer in the school is not quite working and need some additional supports. And that's for students who need those additional supports who, who don't have an individualized education plan um, as part of their 
uh, disability accommodations. Okay. Wow. Thank you again. That sounds like a lot just thinking about it. Do you want to tell us more about your experience working in a classroom and in education? Sure. Um, So I have been working in public schools since 20, I started grad school in 2010 to become a teacher. And since that time, I have been dedicated to improving our public schools, both where where I started my career in California and the Bay Area. And then once I moved to Madison in 2014, started digging in here in my new community. As a, a social studies teacher by training, I also have certifications in English. And as I think my certification as a special ed assistant is expired now, but I was certified as a special ed assistant as well. Um, and what I, what I, well, part of the reason I want to tell people about that is because having this experience working in schools is so important to bring to the board, especially right now. Schools are really, really complex institutions. Uh, and generalist experience only gets you so far when you're making decisions about schools. It is really hard. Like I said, it's really they're complicated systems, and it's hard to know if you don't have experience working in the schools and seeing how things play out at the student level, at the classroom level, at the building level. It's hard to know the difference between something that looks good on paper versus something that can actually impact the learning experiences of our youth. And so I want to bring my experience and my perspective to board governance and MMSD. What drew you to working in education in the first place? Oh, what an interesting question. Um, I, I can answer this. It's a little, you know, it's a personal, it's personal. Um, the thing that drew me to working in education to begin with is the almost magical experience of learning in community with other people. I'm a lifelong learner, and I know that this is just a, Learning is a huge part of what it means to be human. It's something that we do naturally from the time that we're babies. And to me, public schools are this amazing space where we pool our resources as a community to to participate in that for the young people of our community, to to provide that for the young people of our community. And I, I know from experience in school when I was a student and teaching um, and from talking to other people that we don't always get it right. There's a lot of, um, you know, we have the factory model schooling that's outdated, outmoded, um, that doesn't really support that that deep learning that connects people to themselves and to the world around them. But I know it's possible. I've done it. I've experienced it as a student, and I've provided it for students as a teacher. It's hard to explain, like, you know, what draws a person to education is, like, the magic of what happens when you learn with another person, when you learn in community. And if you can, like, dedicate your life to trying to make that happen, of course I'm going to do that. Well, so now you're running for elected office on the Madison Metro School Board of Education. Um, Is this your first run for elected office? Yeah, this is my first go at elected office. And what motivated you to run and why now? So this is something I've been thinking about for a while. I've been working and serving in MMSD. I think it's sort of funny. People say, oh, you know, my opponents say, oh, I want to serve, I want to serve. And I'm like, I have been serving MMSD students and families in our public schools as, a, as an employee since 2014. Um, but now I work in a different district. And so, so it's opened up this opportunity for me to serve in a different way. Um, and that's really what, uh, what had, me, had me interested And what are some of the, let's say, three biggest challenges that you see the Board of Education making or grappling with that you think you'd see in your term, which would be three years? Yep. 
So I think I think a few different things. Obviously, hiring um, a new superintendent and being able to to support that person coming in is is a huge is a huge piece of the puzzle for the board in the next three years. Um, I also think that our financial situation is going to be a huge challenge for the board. Um, schools remain underfunded from the state. Um, inflation being what it is, it, we have a tough budget to work with, um, and I think that's going figuring out how to how to do right by students in that context, I think, is going to be a big challenge. And then I think stabilizing. Uh, the superintendent is going to be a big part of that as we continue to move further away from the March 2020 onset of the COVID pandemic, stabilizing into what our new normal will be um, and making sure that that, that that new normal speaks to the goals of our community as a whole into the future, I think, is going to be a big challenge for the board. Well, I'm glad that you mentioned the superintendent search because I have a question for that. So the current superintendent is Carlton Jenkins. He will Mm -hmm. retire this summer after serving for about three years. That means the board will need to go through a hiring process again. What are the qualities you'd want to see in the person leading the school district? Yeah. Um, When I think about my dream MMSC superintendent, I think about a few different things. I think about somebody who takes the local context into consideration. Um, There's a trend across the nation, across superintendent training programs now, where um, people behave as though you can copy and paste a playbook from one city to the next. And I I don't believe that's the case. I don't think it works. I know it doesn't work. And so I would love to see a superintendent who's dedicated to understanding the community context, who, who wants to see the Madison schools thrive in the context of a thriving Madison is really going to try and work with other city agencies. I want to see somebody who has experience in a district of this size. Um, one of the last things that I'm really super, super interested in is somebody who, who sees teaching and learning as the complex, uncertain creative and interpersonal endeavor that it is, and knows that the work that teachers do in their classrooms can't be micromanaged or mechanized. Um, That's really important to me. And then the last thing is someone who's got a listening orientation, right, who really wants to be hearing from all parts of the community and a lot um, can learn from a lot of parts of the community. I want to ask you more about that, the hiring process, but you said something really mm-hmm. interesting in your response to that. I think the third point was you that you'd want someone who recognizes that learning isn't something necessarily mechanized or duplicated over and over again. And mm-hmm. I think that's a really interesting point. I uh, am sort of curious about your experience working in a classroom and your perspective uh, of how the Board of Education and the school district more generally supports its teachers in making decisions about student learning. Can you talk to that a little bit? I can, um, although I think it's going to break your heart to hear what I have to say. Um, I think the MMSD has a lot, a long way to go in supporting supporting that work in the classrooms. One thing that I've been trying to tell people as I've been on the campaign trail is, you know, eight and ten years ago, MMSD had a, a robust, um, classroom practices tool. Um, you know, it was like maybe too robust. It was like many pages of uh, data collection tool. What's going on in classrooms? And this was a huge part of the the practice for MMSC was to say, okay, what's happening in classrooms? What do we know? How do we use what we know to help teachers make decisions in a teaching in a framework of plan, teach, reflect, adjust, which is is the process. 
but last year, you know, there was there was a moment there that the only classroom level data that MMSD was collecting, at least at the high schools, was about whether or not teachers assigned this like online exam every week, this like 30 minute online assessment that students were supposed to take. And to me, that is a total abandonment of the the deep work of teaching and learning and making instructional choices for the students that you have in front of me. And, and I, I think that we have a long way to go to get back to a place where we're actually thinking about and supporting teachers to think about who are the students in front of me, what do they need, and then what's, what's my plan? People don't understand, um, if you're not a teacher, that the amount of prep work that goes into planning instruction is immense. You really end up thinking about, okay, where should I stand in my classroom when X or Y child comes in? These, these details are important because they, they make for the student the classroom experience, and, and they do need to be considered. Uh, and MMSD teachers right now are so, the workload is so over the top. The insistence that teachers are subbing constantly on recess duty constantly, um, they don't have time to do that thinking, and that has really detrimental effects on the learning experiences that students get. So if elected, what would you propose as an alternative? What would you do differently? So I think, I think it's important to remember that the, the board is not responsible for making curriculum and instruction decisions, right? It's not responsible for the, the details of what these departments do, right? Like that's why we have these departments. Um, but I would be looking for and, and hoping to create goals with the superintendent around making sure that these departments that are making those decisions are committed to the deep interpersonal work of learning, are thinking not just about the budget resources, but also about the temporal resources. In recent memory, um, an initiative around um, early literacy ended up, you know, people were so excited about it, they said, oh, we're going to invest 100 hours into teachers. But what that ended up meaning is that teachers had 100 hours of online, like professional development, online training. And they didn't think about what does this mean for the ability of my teachers to actually think about how this applies, to actually think about the students in front of me. And so, so, so I think that the board should be looking at the budget, not just as a financial question, although, you know, obviously that's what it is at the end of the day, but also a temporal question, right? How do these things that we're spending our money on look time-wise? And then I'm, I'm hoping that we can create goals with the superintendent so that they're responsible and they're responsive to, to supporting departments that see learning this way and treat learning this way. Well, let's talk more about learning. One issue that's come before the Madison School Board in recent months last fall is how we think about honors classes, whether those should be standalone classes or whether they should be what we call earned honors, whether the same classes, they're in the same classes with some learners doing extra work for an honors credit. This coming fall, earned honors will be an option for freshmen in every course studies class, but standalone honors classes will still be available in other grades. Having worked inside a classroom, what would you recommend the board do with honors classes as they kind of continue to reckon with this? Yeah, I have talked. So I've taught in MSD. I have taught standalone honors. I have taught earned honors, which is the current currently in vogue model. Um, in which there is no extra or additional honors work. It, it, the vision is that the whole course is rigorous, and when you demonstrate excellence in that course, you earn honors. And I've taught a third model of honors, which is embedded honors, which is a heterogeneous 
grouping of students where some students would elect in in that context to to take on additional or more challenging work within that class. My personal favorite model is the embedded learners model. Um, it's sort of falling out of the conversation right now, um, and I think that's too bad. But I think it's great, and I think that it um, bridges a lot of what people want to see. Um, before I get into the real the real question that you asked, um, I want to remind listeners that when we talk about honors, we are talking about four courses at ninth and 10th grade. Nobody is talking about the honors level work at 11th and 12th grade, which we mostly um, deal with in the advanced placement program at all. And, and I remind people of that because I, I actually think that this question about, this technical question about what exact course will offer is a, a small piece of the puzzle. And I think, I think it's too bad that there are people out there who are making decisions about this election based on this, this really actually quite small thing. Um, and when I, when, I, when I think about why are people doing that, I, I think I want to I say a couple of things. I, I wish people, that, people wouldn't, especially people who consider themselves progressive, vote based on this one specific thing. Because the ideological space between myself and my opponent is humongous. And when you vote based on this one tiny little piece of the puzzle that affects a relatively small number of students, I think that you miss your you miss an opportunity to think about how can schools change generally. I think that people are doing that based on fear that MMSC can't change to serve all students. And I think that they're making that decision, not everybody, but often based on an unspoken assumption that the school system is actually fine and what needs to change is not our systems and structures, but the children. And I fundamentally disagree with that orientation. I think that we should change to serve our students, and I think that we should change to serve a vision of our community in the future that is going to serve us. And I, I don't think the, the view of more competition, more tracking is it. I don't think that because I have experienced how it works in schools and because I know the history of education. Those ideas have been tried. This is like retro stuff from the 90s, from the early 2000s, responding to real problems. But I don't know why we would continue to try solutions that have been proven not to work and to only make things worse. So that's sort of my big context piece. And then what do I think the board should do? You know, I'm not, I'm not a diehard for, for either way. I would love to hear more conversation about what embedded honors could look like. I like it because it still allows students to try something more challenging and it doesn't penalize students um, who want to try but aren't ready, and the, the standalone model does. Um, so that's kind of where I stand on that kind of stuff. I'm talking with Blair Mosner-Feltham, one of two candidates running for seat six on the MMSD Board of Education. We have just a couple minutes left, and we have still some big topic areas to get to. So <laughs> I want to ask you about school safety, which is vast and has many different components. Um, specifically, last fall, MMSD uh, conducted a survey on school safety and student wellness and the, the climate, and that received thousands of responses from teachers, students, and caregivers. And some of those responses did mention bullying, fears of sexual harassment, uh, drug and alcohol use within school buildings. Um, drawing on your experience within a classroom, what structural changes would you suggest, if any, to make schools safer for students to learn? Yeah, so this is, this is complex, and it's 
heartbreaking, um, and I'm going to try and answer it in a nice, pithy little way. Um, schools are full of rushing. Um, they're full of half-solved problems. Uh, and to me, the most important thing we can do to address that is find ways to increase the temporal resources available to school staff. That means how much time staff have to spend on any individual issue as it comes up. Right now, what is happening is issues come up and we fix just the top layer. And this is in schools and it's at the district. That's what we're doing as a district. And I think that's why we see some of the issues that we're seeing. Um, so that's my pithy little answer is, is this solutions need more time to work in the days, in the years, in the, in the classroom and in the vision of the school district. Okay. Well, moving along in school safety, you know, I got to ask because this is an issue that's come up in the Madison mayoral race, but the decision over whether to have school resource officers in classrooms in Madison high schools um, is a decision that the Board of Education makes and has made. So how do you feel about SROs? Would you want to bring them back or do do you agree with the decision to dismiss school resource officers several years ago? This one I can answer very quickly. Uh, I absolutely do not believe that police have have a role to play in being in schools every day. Absolutely not. I think that MMSD should be really proud of our decision to get rid of SROs, and I stand behind that decision 100%. Okay. And when you talk about uh, police in schools, how do you feel about Madison police in general being in schools when they're um, if they get called to a, a school? Yeah, okay, so if if we're going to have this conversation, I'm a police abolitionist. I would love to see our society massively, massively change the way that we fund police in favor of other things that can support public health and public safety um, that don't lead to countless um, unjust deaths across the nation. Okay, well, in the interest of time, we'll move along. I did want to ask you, because it's very recent news, the spokesperson for MMSD is suing to prevent the release of a complaint about himself. Um, MMSD also recently just uh, won a non-award. It's called a NOPI (laughs) for its lack of transparency from the Freedom of Information Council. Uh, What would you do in this situation if you were already on the board? So this is another example of, you know, the board's role here is to hire, supervise, and evaluate the superintendent. So this is the moment where the the superintendent has a responsibility for making sure that they have a legal team and a, and a communications team that is trying to work with the community, um, not act as a shield, but act as a communicator, to act as a, a person who sees their responsibility as as bridging between schools and communities. So, so, so to me, this is actually a superintendent question. And the board's role here is to, to work with the, their employee, the superintendent. Okay, and would that be a priority in the superintendent search? Someone who wants um, to improve communication and transparency? Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Well, uh, I will say, sorry. Go ahead. One thing that I, to give Dr. Jenkins props for their due, I love the weekly good news newsletter. I think that has been an amazing asset for our district and is an example of like an awesome communication move that I hope the next superintendent would really want to keep. 
I don't get those since I don't have a child <laughs> in uh, MMSD, but good to know. Um, as we close out this interview, um, is there anything else you'd like to add that we didn't get to today? Do you want to talk about your endorsements? Sure, I'd be happy to in- talk about my endorsements. Um, I am so proud to be the, the only labor-backed candidate for this seat. I'm endorsed by the South Central Federation of Labor, by AFSCME, and by Madison Teachers, Inc. I actually, just as we were on the on the phone, got an email from the Fair Wisconsin PAC. Um, I've been endorsed by um, several local politicians, and I'm going to be putting that all out on my Facebook and Instagram today, so people can can check out my endorsements that I'm super excited about. But the, the, endorsements that I'm, the endorsements that I'm most excited about are actually the hundreds of MMSD teachers and staff. Um, these are people who know what the conditions are like in school, who know how board decisions, budgetary decisions, policy decisions affect their day-to-day work. And so, so to have their support to me really feels good to me, but I think also should really tell voters that the idea that there is some external expert, some external um, you know, research body that tells us what to do in schools is actually a false narrative. The experts are the people who are in schools teachers, staff, students, and the people who have their students at home every day, the families. And we need to do a much better job taking that expertise seriously. And that's what I can offer to the MMSD Board of Education. Blair, thank you so much for joining me today, especially while you're busy with prep. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for making me say I'm a police abolitionist on the air. I've been speaking with Blair Mosner-Feltham. She's one of two candidates running for seat six on the MMSD Board of Education. You can find more about her campaign at bmf4mmsd.com. That's the number four in bmf4mmsd.com. And you can find her on Facebook at Blair for Madison Schools and on Twitter at blair 4 mmsd and that's the show. I'm Shally Pittman. Thanks again to Baudry Lankella and Blair Mosner-Feltham. They're both candidates running for seat six on the Madison School Board, and they'll be on your ballot next Tuesday. By the way, there will be another school board seat on your ballot, seat seven. Incumbent Nikki Vandermeulen is running unopposed for that seat, and school board elections are seat-specific, so that's why we focused on seat six today. Don't forget to vote next Tuesday, April 4th. You can vote then or in person. And if you have a question about what's on your ballot, check out our coverage at wardfm.org. You're listening to A Public Affair. Thanks, J.J., Mary Jo, wortfm.org.